I will give you what I think is the most important piece of advice ever. When you take the floor in any meeting, never apologize. Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnick, and our guest is Rose Gottemuller, Deputy Secretary General of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Welcome, Rose. Thank you very, very much. I'm delighted to be here. Tell us, what does it mean to be Deputy Secretary General? I'm only in this job six weeks at this point, so I still uh, feel a um, shiver of both thrill and fear when I hear my title announced because it is, it's a big deal. Uh, this is an extraordinarily important security organization for Europe and beyond. It is focused on um, worries that member countries have about the new assertiveness of Russia to the north and to the east but it also must focus on the challenges to the South, the um, extremists, the uh, terrorists, uh, the, the struggle with ISIL. And it's really important for this uh, alliance to be focused uh, 360 degrees around uh, Europe and also to be really focused on what uh, threats may emerge farther afield. So it's a big challenge and it's a big organization. So it's been thrilling to arrive here to understand how effective this organization is, but must continue to be going forward. And it's also, uh, frankly, a bit chilling as well. <laughs> it's a big responsibility, in other words. What is it like being a female working in the male-dominated field of security? You know, that's a question I get a lot, and um, I'll start by saying uh, I've had my share of um, misogyny directed at me uh, over my life and over my career. There's no question about it. It, it does exist. Uh, I have found, though, that uh, as I've gained more experience, as I've gained more knowledge, and as I've, as I've uh, proven my ability to make a difference to problems in the workplace, whether they're their big uh, strategic issues that have to be addressed or whether they are uh, a personnel question that has to be answered. As I've gotten uh, older and, and been able to be more effective in my own jobs, uh, I find that people start to become, it's not gender blind, but they start to be more, uh, they, they don't notice your sex so much, I'll put it that way, because you're just seen as a good member of the team and somebody who can deliver results. So. When young women ask me about that, how to address misogyny, how to how to handle the fact that they may be the only woman around a table and and don't always get uh, don't always get listened to as they should, I say the best thing you can do about that is just uh, just to uh, improve uh, all of your capabilities, your substantive knowledge, uh, your ability, your speaking ability. That's an important thing people uh, can do. And, uh, and just gain experience. It's a hard slog, but it, it does make a difference. How did you know that you wanted to go into international relations? Was it early in life, or can you share a little bit about your own career path? It's a great story, actually, but I consider myself a Sputnik baby way back in uh, the late 1950s when Sputnik uh, was launched. This was the Soviet-era satellite, and uh, it was flying around the world, the first uh, man-made artificial satellite flying around the world, and people were 
were thrilled, but also quite concerned that the Soviet Union, you know, had had beat us getting into space in this way. This was from my, you know, my growing up years in Columbus, Ohio, in the United States. So, for Americans, it was both uh, exciting, but it was also daunting that somehow the Soviet Union was was beating us out in this important scientific endeavor. Uh, it's interesting that my father, who was always interested in uh, in science and technology, and also interested in in uh, you know international relations, but in you know not a professional way. He was uh, he worked for a large insurance company, Nationwide Insurance, his whole life. But he took me out into the front yard of our house in Columbus, Ohio, and pointed out this little dot of light going across the sky, and said, "Look, there's a there's a satellite Sputnik that that the." Russians put up, and he said, "That's very, very interesting and uh, a real accomplishment." So it's it's interesting. He didn't see it, uh, you know, as as bad that the somehow the the Soviet Union had made it into space first. For him, it was it was a a, a really exciting development for science and technology overall. So that actually got me started, even when I was quite a young child, uh, being interested in uh, what we could uh, accomplish together. And working together with uh, with the Soviet Union because that was my my dad's point of view that uh, we could blow each other up or we could work together, and um, so I, I have to say that an original uh, inspiration came from my father for being involved in international security, international relations issues, and in particular uh, for the area where I have made most of my career working on issues to do with the USSR before the breakup of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s and in latter years uh, with the Russian Federation and all the countries uh, that are in that region of the world. Um, uh, and uh, we call them uh, called them at one time the, the newly independent states, but at this point they're no longer newly independent, and that's a very good thing. What do you wish you had known as you navigated your own career? What would you tell your younger self? Be patient. And that's hard. I know for young people in their 20s and 30s, they want to know what comes next. They want to, uh, they want to climb the ladder. Uh, they want it all. Uh, often for young women, they want a husband, wife. They want to be a wife and have children. All of this is important. Uh, it's important for the continuity of, of, uh, of humankind that, uh, that, uh, that people want to have it all when they're young. Uh, but uh, it often seems just impossible to juggle all those demands. And so what I often say to young uh, people, young women, is, is be patient, take a deep breath, uh, realize that sometimes perhaps you'll have to put the brakes on a bit. I think about uh, the 1980s, which is the decade when my uh, two boys were, were babies and, and then young children. And and uh, I spent time working in a research organization that gave me the flexibility uh, to be um, home sometimes, you know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to pick them up from school or take them to the baseball game or, or whatever. Uh, but then in the 1990s, uh, I had the honor of going to work for President Bill Clinton, first in the White House and later in the Department of Energy. And uh, that's when I put the foot down on the accelerator again and started going faster in my career and uh, that, that worked for, for me. I know a lot of young women worry about stepping out of the workforce to have children. But I think if you and your husband are close partners, and that's really, really important, if you and your husband are close partners, and I shouldn't only say husband, could be, could be a partner. <laughs> but if you are close partners in, in family life and in raising kids, then it's possible to, 
to put the brakes on sometimes and hit the accelerator pedal other times. And, uh, well, it certainly worked for me. So I advise people to, to be patient, to work on close partnership with their mate, and to, uh, to think uh, about when it's possible to, to step out a bit, to be a bit more relaxed uh, and take time with the kids and other uh, decades of your career, then, then you might dive in more intensively. What's the biggest challenge of your work? Hmm. Well, since I'm new in this job, it's a little hard to say just yet. Um, I would say for me, the biggest challenge right now at six weeks into the job is uh, juggling all the new issues coming my way. I always say, um, and I really want to stress that it's better not to be bored in any job, but to be challenged. Um, right now, the challenges are coming pretty thick and fast because I'm still learning about a lot of new issues for me and taking on uh, a lot of new areas of responsibility. Uh, so I'll just say at the moment, I'm on a pretty steep learning curve uh, going up, but um, I love this job. It's really wonderful to work with uh, with all the countries of the NATO Alliance and to uh, to work with, uh, um, with the international staff, with the private office. Uh, uh, Secretary General Stoltenberg's been just terrific to work with. And so I do see, um, I do see that the learning curve will flatten out before too long. At that point, it'll be interesting to ask me again what uh, the biggest challenge in this job will be. I think uh, as I sit here today, I will, ag I will again say, looking, looking forward um, to when I'm more experienced as Deputy Secretary General, I would say it will still be juggling priorities and ensuring that the many priorities of this organization get the attention they need because there are uh, so many issues that the Alliance is tackling right now, uh, both uh, to the east and north, but also to the south around the Mediterranean Sea, uh, farther afield in Afghanistan. So there are those major security responsibilities that the Alliance has, but there are also the uh, responsibilities of ensuring that the trains run on time inside this institution, inside NATO, and that also takes time and it takes attention. So I think probably the, the abiding challenge of this position uh, for the time I will be in it will be uh, juggling uh, priorities and, and getting them straight. Just a personal note, I think I'm, I'm from the U.S., so I'm, I'm really proud that it's you in this well, thank position. You. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for taking the position, um, especially on behalf of women everywhere. In closing, do you have any final words of wisdom for women who are passionate about working in diplomacy, especially at this point in history? I will give you what I think is the most important piece of advice ever. And that is, when you take the floor in any meeting, never apologize. You know, I had um, this experience when I was in graduate school, and, and women tend to do this, um, but I put up my hand, I had the answer to a question that was asked, and I said, uh, to begin with, and I think many listeners who are f young and female may recognize themselves in this comment, I said, well, I'm not really sure I have the answer right, but, and my professor stopped me and he said, never apologize. Even if you have the answer wrong, just say it. Don't apologize. So ever since then, whenever I take the floor in any meeting, at any diplomatic table, in any setting where I am, a seminar, I just say what I want to say. And sometimes it's right, 
and sometimes it's wrong. But that's the important thing, never apologize. So I would say that's my most, probably it was the most valuable piece of advice I've ever received, so I'll pass it along to everybody else. Thank you so much for joining us on the Women in Diplomacy podcast. It's my pleasure. Great time. Thanks.